This is my tribe. 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 What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, I'm sorry. Ho- hopefully it gets better. I'm pretty good. Hey, Jacob. Hello. Everybody give John a quick hand. We're so happy he's back. It's not the same without you, John. Wait for him to leave and we'll tell the truth. So we're going into week two of Get Out of My Mind. Last week, or yeah, last week, I get so confused now because we took so many off and we're here and there. This is two weeks in a row, so that's pretty cool. It's like it's back to normal again. Layton, don't look at me like that the entire night. (laughs) Yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're talking about excuses. What do you guys What do you guys think about excuses? Do you like them? Raise your hand if you like excuses. Do you like giving excuses? Yeah? What are some of your What are some of your favorite excuses that you've given? Sports? Okay. What else? Who else has a good excuse that they give when they can't do something or they don't want to do something? Just tired? (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to (laughs) go. That's my excuse. Yeah. Okay, that's smart. I'm not very good at excuses, and in part because, I don't know if you guys had a parent like this, but my dad was always the guy who, when I did anything wrong, I would try to explain myself, and he'd cut me off and say, no, I don't want to hear your excuses. 
I don't want to hear your excuses. But I, I mean, I thought I was just trying to explain myself, but, you know, I probably just should have shut up. But So since then, I've just never really given excuses because I think everybody's going to yell at me and say, I don't want to hear your excuses. Okay, sorry. But so, again, let me see your hand real quick if you think you're good at making excuses. Good at making them. How many of you... How many of you are like my dad? You don't want to hear them. You hate excuses from other people. See, that's so lame. That's so lame. I don't want to hear them from anybody else, but I can make them. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't, I don't like excuses either. I think that was how I was raised, but in part also because I'm not good at them. I, the best one I could ever come up with was, Sorry, I slept in, so not very good. I hear that I hear that one a lot from people. They just sleep in. I still use it today. It's a bad excuse, but it doesn't work either. No one believes you anymore, especially after the 50th time you've slept in. Or how many of you have used, like, it's kind of morbid, but how many of you have used, like, a death in the family, like, more than once, like the same person? Because we had a girl at my school. This is a true story. True story. And it was one of my classes, and she had to miss a whole week because her grandma died. Like, that's sad. One wants their grandma to die. But then the next week, she, like, still didn't show up. And they asked her why. And she said that her grandma had survived, and she was about to die again. And this went on for about a month, which no one knows if she was telling the truth or not. She probably was. But... She said she died, and then a week later said, no, she's still alive, but I'm just staying out of class. So, I don't know, her grandma died like three times that semester. Or she just had a lot of grandmas. I almost said a bad joke. Not anymore. Okay, not funny. All right, let's move forward. <laughs> Sorry, that's my brain. I have dark jokes. So chances are pretty good that you guys have probably never used that exact example, but you've been in a situation, right, where you needed to give an excuse, or you felt like you needed to because you didn't want to do something. Like something comes up, and you're like, I don't want to go to that. Why did I even get asked? And I was stupid enough to say yes the first time. Now I have to come up with an excuse to get out of it. So you just used whatever reason you could think of, right? Even if it wasn't a good one or even if it was a lie, just so you could get out of it. See, we're all, we're all born with this instinct to kind of make excuses, to defend ourselves in a way, even if it's not true, because we don't want someone to think poorly of us for a decision that we made. But most of the time, we don't even really notice that we are making excuses. Like the situation with my dad, like I thought I was just explaining myself, but to him it was just excuses. And once we get a little older, it starts to get easier to detect excuses, right? Like when we're younger, like we just kind of believe people. We're like, yeah, I'm sure they're telling the truth. And then as we get older, we start to hear people and you're like, yeah, these are just excuses after excuses. And if we paid a little closer attention to our lives, chances are we would see just how easy it is to make an excuse. Something simple as I need, I need to study, but... I've already done 
so much homework tonight. So I'm over it. I'm done. I don't care. Or I should probably text my parents the plans that have changed. We're doing something completely different now. But I really don't want them to tell me that I can't go anymore. So I'm just not going to talk about it. And we'll see if they figure it out. Or I know I'm not supposed to drive over the speed limit, but I'm super late to work, or I'm super late to wherever you're headed, and I don't want to get in trouble with my boss or whoever's there, so I'm just going to go as fast as I can to get there. This is, this is pretty much true for all of us. Like We can find a really, really good reason for bad behavior. Like In our head, we can find a perfectly good reason to do something bad. And sometimes we know we're excusing a bad choice. Sometimes we don't, but sometimes we know for a fact that we're making an excuse for a bad choice. And then other times for doing or not doing something, those reasons are actually pretty good. Like sometimes our excuses are legit. They're not completely made up. Like you have a good excuse. But how do we, how do we decipher the difference between a bad excuse and a good excuse, right? How do we know when we actually have a good reason for not doing something? Or when we're just trying to convince ourselves that it's okay. Just convince ourselves it's okay to do something that isn't good for us. So to put this all into perspective as we kind of introduced this story last week with Jesus, let's look at how Jesus handled a situation where he was tempted to make poor decisions. We're going to continue looking at what his friend Matthew wrote about this situation and wrote about him in the story of his life. And one of the most interesting moments that Matthew recorded was this moment where Jesus was in the wilderness, right? We started talking about it last week where the the tempter met him in the forest after he had gone like 30, 40 days, 40 days and 40 nights without eating. And he just comes to him and he starts trying to get in his head and make him doubt himself. And then here it is, this story It's one of the wildest situations any of us could really imagine. And here's how Matthew tells it. He says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. So that's a lot. And it's kind of a wild story of the devil directly tempting Jesus. Just think about what Jesus was tempted with in just this short amount of time. First, he's tempted with bread. And the last I checked, bread isn't like a bad thing, right? Like, why is he tempting him with bread? So unless you have 
some kind of gluten allergy, bread's usually good, right? And then in that case, shout out to you if you're a gluten allergy person. You're good. Shout out to you. I knew there'd be somebody. A bread on its own isn't a sinful thing, right? Like, it could be bad for you in particular, but it's not a sinful thing. But here, the bread represents something else, right? It represents a need. Back then, bread was like a basic part of people's diet. To have bread basically meant to be able to survive. It was just a substantial part of eating healthy and ultimately survival. So here, Jesus is really being tempted to believe that God won't provide what he needs to survive. It's not about the bread. It's about Satan trying to tell Jesus that God is not going to provide for him what he needs for survival. And then after that, Jesus is tempted with power. And again, power itself is not necessarily bad. It can be used bad. People can use power in very hurtful ways. But in and of itself, having power isn't a bad thing. But here Jesus is being tempted to believe that the tempter can give him more power than God himself. See, both, both of these temptations that Jesus was faced with were an attempt to try to convince Jesus to compromise his values for something that he, quote-unquote, needed. The same thing that tempted Jesus here tempts us still today. See, our temptations will often come with the thought, I need to fill in the blank. I need this. I need that. And then a temptation finds its way in at the same time because we convince ourselves of these needs in our lives and don't think they can be provided by anyone but ourselves. Like last week, we said Jesus wasn't wrong to be tempted by these things. Some of us just need to sit with that statement for a second. Like sit with the idea that temptation in and of itself isn't what's wrong. Being tempted is not the wrong thing in this situation. It's the way we respond to temptation that matters. And Jesus' response to temptation demonstrates something really, really powerful for us to see. See, maybe you are tempted to believe that you need to be liked. Maybe that's one of your needs. You're tempted to believe you need to be liked. You try so hard every day. You put so much effort into being well-dressed funny, trendy, likable, because you need to believe that you need it, that you need these people, everyone around you, to like you. Or maybe you're tempted to believe that you need to achieve, like you need achievement. You study like it's your job, or truth be told, you'll cheat if you have to, just to make sure you get the grade that you want. You push yourself to the absolute limits on the sports field or in clubs. You just run yourself thin because you want to achieve and you want people to notice your achievements. You need to earn those things. Or maybe you need to not be something. Maybe you feel like you need to not be embarrassed, not be noticed, not be wronged. So we face all sorts of temptations in our lives. And we face all sorts of temptations that try to convince us to do 
unhealthy things or make unwise choices in order to get what we think that we need, to get what we in our heads decipher as our greatest need. But if we're going to handle these moments the right way, we need to look at Jesus' example, just like we do for anything else. Look at how Jesus responded. In the moment, Jesus responded by quoting a part of the Bible. We know that part of the Bible as the Old Testament that we would read now. But when Jesus says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, he's quoting this book called Deuteronomy, where God has led his people out of their slavery in Egypt. And during this journey, the people were really, really hungry. And God provided them with a bread-like meal, which supplied them with what they needed to survive. So Jesus is pointing back to this ancient story to make a really important point, a point that can help you and I when we face temptation today. What he's doing is Jesus is reminding himself of what's true. He's reminding himself that God has already provided everything he needed. Having faith in that helped Jesus resist temptation, and I think the same can be true for us even today. We don't have to go around God to get what we think we need. We don't have to go around God to get what we want because somehow we think he's just forgotten about us. See, he is a good father who provides everything that we need. Not everything we think we need or even everything we want, but everything that he knows we need in order to live out what's best for our lives. Now, I want to pause for just a quick second for anyone listening right now who feels like God may have forgotten them, right? Like the circumstances in your life leave you feeling like maybe God has forgotten you. Maybe you're worried about God providing some like really small needs, some very big needs, some very real needs like food or a safe place to live. If you don't have those things, it isn't because God doesn't think you need them. In fact, it's the exact opposite of that. And it could be that there are people here in this building right now and here in your life that are here to help you. So if that's you, if that's you, you're someone who feels like God has forgotten you and your needs are being completely unmet, I want you to know that it's okay to talk to a leader, to talk to me, to talk to TiVo, because we're here and we're a family and we want to help. And those are not needs that anyone should be worrying about, especially people your age. And sometimes I think God answers those prayers and fulfills those needs through people like us, like the church, to help meet each other's needs. So take that serious if that's really where you're at. But for most of us, the temptation we're facing isn't over having a basic need met. A lot of us give in to temptation believing we need something we don't and just justify it and justify doing these things that will hurt us as a result of it. It's like it's easy to use the excuse, I need this, or I have to, or I want to. That's just basically... When you really, really think about it, it's just another way of living as though God doesn't know our needs and isn't looking out for us. 
So we think we have to look out for ourselves. So we tell God what we need. We tell God what we have to have in order to, in order to survive. We all sometimes give in to this temptation because of fear that God, God's not going to give us what we need. We think he's just not going to do it, so I have to do it by myself. So if this, is, if this is true, then the opposite of giving in to temptation is not just a strong willpower. It's not just having a strong willpower in your life. It's like a radical trust in who God is in believing that he knows our needs and is looking out for us. So not giving in to temptation doesn't just mean you have strong willpower. There's a big piece of this that means you just really, really trust God. See, the best way to fight temptation, even when, even when you can find a reason to give in, and a lot of times we can, is to, is to live knowing that God cares about your needs and to believe it. Paul was one of the early church leaders whose life was changed by an encounter with Jesus, and he said this. He said, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This is someone who experienced what the love of God felt like, it looked like, and his life was dramatically changed, dramatically changed. And, he's, and this is someone who went through suffering. He was imprisoned. He got beat. And he says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So you can choose to believe that God is looking out for you. He sees you, and the things that matter most to you matter to him. That's a choice. But how can we, how can we believe that? And Paul says it here, he says, because of his glorious riches, because that's who God is. That's how we believe it, because that's who God is. The creator of everything is looking out for you. You're on his mind, and there's nothing you need that escapes his notice or his care or his attention, ever. You can trust that because God is good, that he cares for you. So what do we do? What do we do if all of that is true, right? If all of that is true, maybe you're, maybe you're new to the whole Jesus thing or even church. But if all of this is true to us and you're just now realizing that this is true, here are a couple steps to kind of get started. And one is really, really simple. Just memorize this Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I mean it. Like, even if you don't believe it, maybe you don't even believe those words. Take the time to kind of remember what Paul wrote here. Wrestle with it. Disagree with it. Talk to God about all of your feelings about it. Just carry it with you. And make sure that it's more than just words you heard at church. Like, try to actually have a conversation with God about this whole thing. And the second thing is take a, take a new approach to temptation. The next time that you're, you're tempted, right? The next time you're tempted to go around what God says is best in order to get something that you think you need, think, 
Like, try to think this instead. I think I need whatever. Fill in the blank. I think I need this. But I will trust God knows what I need and is looking out for me. And does this, does this mean that you're going to get everything you want? Like, absolutely not. We're not going to get everything that we want or we think we need. Sometimes, sometimes God will help you see more clearly what you really need, though. And sometimes it's completely different than what you want or you thought you needed. When this happens, we can trust God knows us better than we know ourselves. After all, when you really think about it, he's the one who made us, right? Like He knows who we are and what we're about and what we need way better than even we do. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we can trust him, because he created each and every one of us. We can all take steps to, to begin to choose to believe that God will provide what we need. Like, like I said earlier, it's a choice to believe and to trust that God knows what we need. It's not always easy, and oftentimes it's the opposite of easy. And temptation can be really, really strong sometimes. But remembering what, what's true about God. Remember that, remember that God loves you. He knows what's best for you. And he wants to give you what you need and able to be able to get there, to get to the point where you look back and you say, oh, wow, I see it now. I see why you put me through this, and I asked for this, and I didn't get that. But here I am, and I can look back and confidently say that you were working through all of it. We need to keep reminding ourselves that he's going to provide when what he provides, that he's going to help us. And he's going to help us do what is best in those moments of temptation, too. And like I said, if you're, if you're new to church or all this Jesus stuff, it's important to consider, like, what it would mean if all of this is true. Like, what if the way we begin to experience something different is by trusting that there is a God who created us, and wants to provide for us. For every single one of us, maybe trusting God and living as though we trust God knows what we need is just what we need to overcome some of these really bad things in our lives, some of, some of these temptations, these pits that we fall into and feel like we can't get out. But maybe if we just latched on to the fact that there's a God who created us, wants to and can help us, it could change a lot. Like just, just imagine for one moment that, just imagine for a second how, how this kind of approach, this kind of thought process about who God is and who we are to God might change the way that we live our lives today. Like imagine how we wouldn't have to rush into a bad decision or force ourselves to compromise our values in order to get what we think we need. Imagine not having to, to feel the pressure to give in to what other people want us to do. Because deep down, we have confidence that God knows what we need and is looking out for us. So it doesn't matter what anybody else tries to tell us what we need. 
Imagine how our lives would change, our stories would change, and for some of us, like our reputations could change. There would be something about all of our lives that would look different, right, if we just fully trusted God. Like we could make the whole world around us look different. In fact, we might, we might start to live in a way that causes other people to rethink what's actually best for them. Like one of the best examples of showing other people who God is, is living it out. And then when they ask, you can tell them, I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. And maybe that person won't, they might laugh the first time. Maybe they won't really listen to you. But there might be one person who hears you say that and wants to know why. They want you to go a little bit deeper into that. They might have some questions, and you could change their life forever just by trusting in God and doing it with everything that you do. See, by choosing to trust that God knows our needs and is looking out for us, we might, we might actually begin to see the world around us change. At least your world, right? You might not see the whole world, but maybe you'll see your world change for the better. So as you, as you head out up here tonight and go in there and play nine square and do whatever else, I just want you to take a, a minute to think about this just for a second. Think this statement. I am tempted to blank because I need blank. So how do you fill in those blanks? What are you tempted to do, and why are you convincing yourself that you need it? Because here's what I want you to know. Your heavenly Father loves you. He's looking out for you, and he's looking out for every single one of your needs. Like You don't have to go around him. You don't have to figure out what your needs are by yourself. You don't have to talk yourself into doing something that you know is bad for you just because you're tempted to think that you need something God isn't providing. You actually don't have to do a thing because God's already doing it. I want you guys to know that life becomes a lot easier for us when we live knowing that God cares about our needs. Lord, I, I thank you so much for each and every student in this room, each and every leader, each and every volunteer and everybody who takes their time to be here tonight, Lord. I pray that as we go forward, thinking about temptation and our needs and the excuses that we make for why we do things, that you would work dramatically in our lives that you would allow us to see the good that you do and realize how much you care and that you're already looking out for each and every one of our needs, that we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to figure it out on our own. And I pray that each person in here would trust, would trust that in you and trust that you're going to take care of them. Because whenever we trust you, it changes our lives. It changes the world around us. 
and it brings people to you, which is ultimately what we're all trying to do. I pray that each person as they go on with their night feels how much that you love them, how much you care for them, and how much you're looking out for them. In your name that we pray, amen.